Welcome to the Tailored Life Podcast, the one and only fitness and nutrition podcast that goes way beyond just training and nutrition and personally develops you in all facets of life. I'm your host, Cody McBroom, and with me is my co-host, Travis McQueen. And today we have a Q&A. Um, and real quick, guys, we don't do a ton of ads. We have one ad in this podcast and we make some shameless plugs. We try to give away as much free content as possible, and I think we're pretty damn good at it. Um, whether you like our content or not, you have to admit we put out a lot, and it's all free, and we're trying to help a lot of people. And the one way you can help us do more of that and spread this so we can help more people, um, and that's kind of like, uh, you know, that's what we expect. That's what we ask for. It's like paying the dues uh, of getting this free content is go leave us a five-star rating review on iTunes, and then also go subscribe on other platforms, you know, for two reasons. One, we're not sure. But if you're downloading us on Spotify and iTunes, you're helping us out twice as much, and we would appreciate that. And the other reason is, I just told Travis, I'm switching to Spotify. I, I don't know if you guys have checked out the new iTunes uh, platform. Don't delete it because I'm assuming they're going to update it. It's only a matter of time before people complain. But I said it to you like a week or two ago. It's not efficient. Oh, man. God, it's horrid, dude. Yeah. It takes so long to load. Even where like... Okay, so normally if... The podcast airs at 5 a.m. If you're not subscribed to the podcast, it doesn't pop up at 5 a.m. You know, like I feel like for whatever reason, subscribers get it first and then like hours later, you know, mm. but not slow from that perspective. But like when you open the app and you try to click see all just to see your library, sometimes you beforehand, you would click it. It shows you the podcast and none of the new podcasts are there yet. So you have to refresh it and then you wait for them to load because they're downloading. Oh, uh, yeah. That makes sense. They're one downloading. One. Yeah. This one, you literally click the library and you just get the wheel. And I'm not exaggerating for five to 10 minutes. Damn. Dude, I've deleted the app, redownloaded it. I don't know what's going on, but it's like some days it takes so fucking long. 10 minutes is probably exaggeration, but five isn't. Um, and then I'll reopen it and sometimes it goes a little bit faster, but drive me crazy. So then I went to Spotify and I just... Instant. Yeah. It would literally, I didn't even have to... And I didn't even realize I didn't have automatic downloads on for our own podcast. <laughs> so I went in there and subscribed and followed our own podcast, downloaded them subscribe to some others and then just turn notifications on. I told you that's why I missed Joe Rogan's podcast because it's on Spotify. Yeah. And I don't have notification. It doesn't send you notifications, but believe you it or had, not, you had notifications on for Apple. Yeah. Oh, you just click a toggle that says turn on notifications. Imagine that. And then Spotify updates you. <laughs> so crazy. I'm on my Spotify game now. Cool. Well, yeah. let's uh, get right into it. We got the first question coming from Aaliyah BC. There we go. There we go. She says, best advice or meal to gain weight? Best advice. Okay, so this is a side note, dude. <clears throat> what, one of our new interns was his teacher. <laughs> I was, was what? A teacher. Oh, okay. And so I was talking to her because she, she was like, I always crack up when you guys are trying to pronounce names. Oh, God. And she was like, if you guys want, like I have like a, a program that helps with that. Like she was being nice, but I like laughed because I was like, because she teaches little kids. I'm just like, okay, I get it. Thanks. But but she was like, no, really, because I have to. I don't to. mess up with names. I mess up with Instagram handles. For sure. But the way she was, because she uses it, uh, not only, obviously, for her, because she's a teacher and she has to learn name stuff, but she uses it with her kids to break apart words for, okay. like, syllables and stuff. And she was like, it makes reading Instagram names way easier. Well, that makes sense. Totally. Because, I mean, most of them are just jumbled together. Totally. Put some, some underscores or hyphens in there for us, guys. Um, change your Instagram name for our podcast, yeah, please. Yeah, I was going to say, just for us. <laughs> okay, uh, what was the question? Sorry. Best uh, advice or meal to gain weight? <clears throat> um, there used to be this old thing, uh, put olive oil on everything you eat. 
because <laughs> it's super high calorie. Yeah. This is where it was like, it's all about calories, just fucking bulk dump calories on it. Whoa. But um, I actually think we covered this question already, but I think it's a good one that we can, we can touch on again. And it, it really, like, I think it's a mindset thing. Like it comes down to like, you're going to be full. It's just like a diet. Like if you go on a diet and you're like, dude, I don't understand. Something's not right. And I'm like, well, what's going on? I'm hungry. Well, yeah, you're in a deficit mm. trying to lose weight. If you're hungry while in a deficit, which by definition means you're restricting food because you have to, right? You're restricting energy. It's an equation here. Yeah. You should be hungry. Yeah. And if you're, it, honestly, I get more nervous when someone comes to me and I'm like, hey, you're in a pretty big deficit. How are you doing? Like, how's adherence? I'm fine. I'm not even hungry. And I'm I, like, whoa, you're, is your metabolism fucking doing anything? Like, is it working? Is it telling you, giving you signals? That's where we start looking at like, okay, maybe it's not the best time to diet, right? And usually, obviously, if you're losing weight and you're not hungry, I'll go, okay, let's wait because maybe it's just mentally you're really strong and you're just, or you're, you drink a lot of water or whatever it is. But most of the time, having some hunger cues during a deficit isn't a bad thing at all. It lets me know that you're a normal human being, you're physiologically healthy, yeah. and your body's saying, hey, can you eat? You're not eating enough. And if, if it's saying that, then I know we're in a deficit. Yeah. It gives me proof that, okay, we're in the right place. Let's just mentally get through it. But the same applies for gaining weight. If you need to gain weight, you need to eat more than you're comfortable eating right now, which is obvious, right? So it comes down to an extent of just mentally being in the game and knowing, like, all right, this is a period of time where I have to purposely be full and I have to eat more than necessary because I'm trying to gain weight. Yeah. Now, as far as macros and stuff like that i always say like moderate protein like you need a high protein diet no matter what but you don't need ultra high so like stay around your body weight and just keep it at that um have the if you're going to be gaining good weight i wouldn't go too hard with fat it's the same thing with a deficit really but like deficit you can get away with a little bit extra fats because you're in a deficit so you're not gonna be storing you're gonna be losing ideally um but if you're going to surplus i like to keep the fats pretty low so enough to support hormones, but no more. And then just crank carbs up as high as you can. It's just going to feel performance. It's going to feel training. Um, and here's the other thing too. If you're eating a ton and you're not training the right way to stimulate weight gain, you have an issue, mm. right? Now, if you're in a position where you're, uh, I mean, there's times where people have like health issues or even like um, eating disorders where they get too skinny and it's not about building muscle they're like i literally just need to put weight on my frame of course literally eat whatever you want like you want to dump olive oil and shit do it because it's extra calories you need to put a little bit of body fat on because that's what's going to be healthy for you but if we're talking about aesthetic weight gain which is usually let's build muscle i want to drive carbs i want to keep fats pretty low and and i need to make sure training is good i see a lot of people that if you're at maintenance instead of going all right i'm going to keep training the same I'm lifting four days a week i'm lifting pre-hour i'm going to eat 500 extra calories and try to gain weight you're going to put on fat I would much rather go, hey, add 100 calories, like a very small surplus. If you're a beginner, maybe 200, 250, you don't need a huge surplus if your training is right, right, if you want to gain slowly. So do that and then increase training volume, go harder in the gym, and then if you're really sore or really hungry after increasing your training, then add more calories because obviously your body's like, I need more fuel to recover from what I'm doing. But too many people try to eat their way to a bigger physique uh, in a positive way, like a, a more muscular physique, but their training is subpar for muscle growth and their, uh, their sleep is subpar for uh, muscle growth. Or I had a conversation yesterday with a guy and the conversation uh, was, uh, I was really just trying to help him because he, he, and I've seen this, it's almost like an exercise addiction to where I want to build muscle. I want to get bigger, but I do 25,000 steps a day. 
Mm, right. Wow. And he listens to this podcast, so he knows I'm going to call him out. We had a really good conversation about it. And I've had multiple guys and girls come to me with this issue. Like, I want to put on muscle, this stuff. I'm, and they're not eating too little, but they're moving way too much. It's like, oh, I train five days a week, and then I usually get an extra day in the gym because I don't like taking rest days. And then I have twenty to 25,000 steps a day. I like to go on a run after my workouts. I'm like, whoa, dude, like, you're burning so many calories. You're, you're not going to gain weight. Even to the point where he's like, yeah, even on my, like, fifth or sixth day in the gym, I'm so drained. It's, like, hard. I'm like, no shit. dude, that's the sign. Like, Damn. You got to pull back because what's happening now is, number one, any extra calories you eat, you're just burning through activity. Number two, you're doing so much that your body can't recover. So you're skipping the adaptation step. It's like I'm, I'm creating a stress. I start to recover, and then I create another stress. Start to recover, create another stress. So that gap between the stress and recovery just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And if you can't fully recover or match your recovery to the stress, you don't adapt. And if you don't adapt, that's literally building new muscle. Totally. Is adaptation, right? Um, after that, when you do too much of any type of stress, mental, physical, emotional, cortisol goes up, stress hormone. Cortisol is a catabolic hormone. Cortisol isn't the devil. It's not evil. You can, um, we actually just answered this on the podcast with Brandon. So I don't know if it airs before this or after this, but um, we talk about this. Cortisol isn't a bad thing. It actually gets a really bad rep, but there's positive benefits of it. However, if cortisol is chronically elevated it's always elevated it's a catabolic hormone it's breaking down tissue you're not going to build muscle because you need to get out of that catabolic state and get into an anabolic state which is rest recover digest rebuild you need to be in that place just as much if not at least more than you are right now in order to build new muscle but if you're constantly doing activity constantly training constantly working constantly stressing you're too catabolic because of cortisol and you're not anabolic because of a reduction in cortisol so you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot. So my point with this is, is, you know, that's how I would suggest calories and macros. But at the same time, like if you're not, if you don't have your ducks in a row with stress, training, sleep, like don't worry about the macros, keep those and worry about the other things. Um, and she, and they asked for a meal. I mean, fuck, anything that puts you in a surplus at yeah. that point, you know, like, I mean, technically you could have steak and rice. It's one of my favorite meals, but it's not like a weight gainer meal. Cause I do that on a cut too. It's just, it's easy to digest food. And that's usually what I suggest. Like if I'm going into a gaining phase, I usually eat more steak because it's higher calorie, more nutrients in it. So I don't necessarily feel like I'm eating way more, but in getting super full, but it is like four ounce steak versus four ounce chicken. There's just more calories, more nutrients, more micronutrients, vitamin minerals, and a little bit more fat. Um, I usually do a lot of white rice because it's so easy to digest. You can eat a lot of it um, versus like a ton of oats or a ton of sweet potato. Although those are good and you should have those. They're just so filling. Like it just, I mean, it's hard to eat a lot. Um, yeah, those, those are my biggest tips, honestly. Whole eggs, throw some of those in there instead of just eating egg whites all the time. Like um, having more vegetables like spinach and stuff like that that are really easy to digest so that you can save calories for rice and stuff. But if you fill up on Brussels or green beans and broccoli, which those are all great and you should have some of those. But if you eat too much of that kind of vegetable, you're just so full on low calorie food, you can't uh, hit your yeah. calorie totals. So you know, eat more things like spinach, which you can get a ton of nutrients from, but you don't get full and they're really low calorie. And then you can have more, more room for, um, white rice and carbs like that. Uh, nut butters, avocado, coconut oil, olive oil. Those things are good. Egg yolks. Those are always great. Um, red meats for, and salmon for, for protein. Um, yeah, if you do that, you're straight. And then every once in a while you got to have fucking some pizza or burger or whatever. You're in a gaining phase, hit your calories. Yeah. You know, pancakes. Those are always clutch in a gaining phase. Protein pancakes. I mean, yeah, even just regular <laughs> pancakes. Oh. But, I mean, I, I would always make 
regular pancakes and then I would just put a little protein powder in there or I would have a protein shake on the, the side. In the batter. Yeah. Okay. But I mean, at the end of the day, if you need to hit calories, protein, like pancakes are pure carb. They're easy to digest. They taste fucking amazing. So you can eat a lot. So. Touche. Cool. That's good. Um, let's go to the next one from Peachy Dave. It says, best way to increase scores on fit tests. Examples, push-ups, sit-ups, 300-meter sprint, 1.5-mile run. Um, okay, so I'm assuming for, like, the, the military or law enforcement or something like that, um, a concurrent program is the best way. So, like, this is where, like, strength – I think I referred to this in a recent podcast. The Scientific Principles of Strength Training is a good book. It's, a, it's about – scientific principles of strength training and principle number one is specificity so what you are training for determines the outcome right so you you coming into this you go okay so you have to do a 1.5 mile run um you have to do a push-up test did he say sit-up test or pull-up test or something yeah push-up sit-up uh sprint okay body weight stuff yeah you better be doing some of those you know, so like plain and simple is like this, like I would probably be doing an upper lower split and on my leg days, I would be doing something in the very high rep range so that your joints get used to a lot of time under tension, but also um, like your muscle, like lactic acid. So for example, on the end of a leg day, do a 50 calorie uh, uh, assault bike as fast as possible, basically mm-hmm. like I was going to say AFAP because that's what we put AFAP as fast as possible. But AFAP sounds really weird Mm -hmm. compared to AMRAP. But um, 50 calories as fast as possible on the salt bike. It's going to take you a few minutes at least. um, And you're going to experience pain in your quads. A ton of lactic acid. But if you're running a fast 1.5 mile, that lactic acid isn't going to be nearly as bad as the assault bike. It's going to take way longer to run a mile and a half than burn 50 calories, but the lactic acid accumulation from those 50 calories is way worse in a short period of time. So getting used to that, number one, mentally you get used to the lactic acid production. Number two, it's uh, your body will learn how to buffer that lactic acid better. So there is a trainability here. So the more you create that lactic acid, which typically if you want to target it, you got to be doing 30 to 40 seconds of work. That's like peak lactic acid accumulation. But getting through that and doing it more often, you train your body to buffer the lactic acid better, which basically means filter it out and get, get rid of it um, faster so you can deal with it more. You can also take beta alanine. That's what the supplement's for, and I would suggest it. But I would do something like that on my leg days. Um, on my condition days, I would go for a 1.5-mile run, right? Like it isn't rocket science. Instead of doing a periodized plan, go on a 1.5-mile run twice a week. Just go run. I don't care if it takes you 30 minutes or 20 minutes or 15 minutes or 40 minutes. Just start doing it. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. Like, it's progressive overload. Uh, Repetition. Repetition, yeah. I mean, if you do it over and over again, you will get better at it. Even if your time doesn't prove significantly, your aerobic capacity to get it done, breathing, your oxygen, like, all that stuff improves as you do it more. Um, And then in your upper body days, you better have some pull-ups and push-ups in those programs. Plain and simple. It can be a finisher. It could be doing variations. So instead of me going, doing a barbell bench press and overhead press and then dumbbells, which I would still do the the press at the front end, but instead of doing a dumbbell bench press or floor press, I'm going to do a weighted push up, or I'm going to do the next day I'm going to do a deficit push up, and then next week I'm going to do a push up AMRAP as many as I can in a minute. Like you're just doing different types of push ups to get better at push ups. You get better at push ups, you're going to beat your test. Yep. So. It can actually be way more simple than people realize. Those are general fitness 
um, components. So you really just got to do GPP in your program, which is general physical preparedness. So in a lot of programming, we'll put GPP work in that isn't specific to the goal. It's really just like, okay, we have our specificity work here. And then we have some GPP that just really, it keeps you healthy. It keeps you strong and it keeps you working on different dynamic things. We don't have to be super specific with it because it's general physical preparedness. That test is GPP. Yeah. So just do some of those simple things in your program and you'll be fine. You know, um, don't overthink it. Totally. Yeah. All right. Uh, next one comes from Gavin Singer. 18 it says if I am running a seven five three on on big four you know what that means mm-hmm. if I'm running a seven five three on big four when cutting what week should you have diet breaks on so this is similar to like a five three one uh, seven five three is basically it is five three one it's just higher volume so more hypertrophy focused five three one is a three week powerlifting cycle um, Four week if you want to do a deload and basically week one, I mean, you've actually done this with me, um, Travis. Week one is three sets of five. Week two is three sets of three. Yep. Week th- three is five, three, one. Week four is usually a deload or you start week one again. Um, I like doing a fourth week as a deload because I usually do AMRAPs on those two. So I'll go five, three, one, and then five plus. So you go like, for, for example, six. The week one is three sets of five and you go... 65% of one rep max on set one, 75% of one rep max on set two, and 85% of one rep max on set three. And then you do a fourth set where you go back to 65% and you do as many as you can with that lower weight, trying to beat five, which is what you got the first set. Um, so with that, seven, five, three is seven, five, three. You don't get to one. So it's a yep. little bit higher volume, uh, more focused towards bodybuilding. I don't know the percentage off the top of my head. Seven, five, three would probably be like, Seven uh, would be probably like fifty percent. You're probably going from like fifty percent to eighty, seven by three to like eighty five, ninety percent. Um, but you can make up your own percentages, really. I mean, at the end of the day, you don't even need percentages. Yeah, do seven reps, add weight. Five reps, add weight. <laughs> three reps, add weight. Um, but when would I do my diet break and deload? Is what he's saying, right? Correct. Okay, so the way I would do it is what? Which week? Yeah, I would probably do. Just diet break, not deload? Or do you say deload too? Uh, didn't either. If okay. I'm running a 753 on the big four when cutting, what week should we have diet breaks on? So this is where I think it's actually pretty individual. You got to take note. I would go through a full cycle of it without taking a diet break um, or just guessing on which one you want to take a diet break on and see what happens. But essentially this is – in. And it's only a three-week cycle, so there's nothing wrong with not taking a diet break in three weeks. But the reason I say that is because if you're fast twitch dominant, then I would say, hey, put it on the third week because the third week you're going into threes, which means you got some heavy loads you're going to be doing, and that's where you shine. So fuel your strength, which means take your diet break on the third week because that's when you're going at the highest intensity with the lowest weight, and that's what you're best at. So I want you to squeeze out as much of it as you can. And then what you're going to do is basically add a set or add some reps to everything else because you're going to have extra fuel. When you go into your accessory work, if it's like 8 to 10, you better be hitting 10s. And if it's 3 sets, do 4 sets, yeah. right? If you're if it's 12s, maybe bump it up to 15s. If it's an AMRAP, you should be getting more in that. Like You're just trying to do a little more because you have the fuel, and you should be able to. Now, if you're slow twitch dominant, like for me, I would do it on the first week. So I would go seven, five, three. And then when I go back to seven, I would take my diet break because I'm slow twitch dominant. So I do much better with high rep volume. Like put 
me on, on the bench for eight reps and I'm going to like do pretty well in the room, we go to like one, two or three reps. I'm going to be like the in last place. Like I'm just, I'm strong, but that's not my, my, my good point. You know, same thing with like, I'm okay at jumping and throwing, but I'm just not super explosive, like fast twitch dominant people were. So for me, I would put it on the front end because I know for sevens, that's where I'm going to shine. So I'm probably going to go four sets of seven instead of three sets. And I'm going to push the weight there, maybe add an AMRAP. And then I'm just going to do more volume across the board. And then I'm going to take the rest of the week off. Um, that's where it gets really specific. But like, you know, typically what I would do is, is I would, I like taking it on the last week of a cycle and then a deload after that. That would be my preferred. With 753, it's hard to say that for sure, but you could do it. But like, that would be basically saying like deficit week, week one, deficit week two. And then on your sets of three, that 753, that third week, take a diet break, push the intensity and volume as hard as you can. Week four, take a full deload while in a deficit to try to recover from the high volume. Um, and then week one, you're, you're back to normal training week two, normal. And then week three of the next cycle, you're back to a diet break peak intensity. And that's taking a diet break every fourth week, which is pretty ideal. Three weeks on one week off. That's a good split. Totally. So cool. I hope that, uh, helped you out, Gavin. Next one, uh, comes from coach Triz says, was a question from a client who saw a, an ad on yolked.com on Facebook claiming f- uh, for tropin works for tropin. Oh, cause we answered that question. So I think he's, we did. Yeah. remember he asked like my thoughts on for tropin. I said, I don't know what it is, but anything that says it's, you're going to build four times the muscle is bullshit. Oh, and it's yoked. I can't yep. believe yoked.com is a website. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I guess that's a good, damn, I don't remember answer that one. Okay. Yeah. He just asked about that supplement and we, Basically said, because the supplements claim to build like four times the muscle yeah. or whatever. And I was like, no, anything that claims that that's legal is bullshit. So All right. He's just explaining that. Um, These are straight from Instagram. Hence, we don't filter them. So be careful with what you send us. <laughs> just uh, hold on. Let me re- just go. Uh, relative energy deficiency in Athlin, Athlin. Who's the question from? Uh, Carmen Alessa. She is from. I think English is her secondary language. Uh, an athlete. She must have just added an N by accident. Oh, okay. Relative energy deficiency in athlete. Reverse diet or bump up quickly. Um, so Reds is is Red syndrome is relative energy deficit syndrome and a deficiency syndrome. So basically, what this means is you are burnt the fuck out and you've been eating too low calories for too long. Usually you have, if you're a female, you have amenorrhea at this point, which is the loss of your menstrual cycle. Um, and you're just doing too much. So this typically happens when people, I mean, even the, the, the situation I was talking about, it's more common in women, but like I was just talking about this, about the guy that was doing way too much cardio. That's, I mean, that's essentially what it is. They, they run themselves into the ground by either being in a deficit for too long or, doing way too much training or a combination of both and you end up seeing a lot of health issues. So hormones usually crash, thyroid's dysfunctional uh, for, for females, menstrual cycle's gone. Um, now, what would I do? Reverse diet slowly or bump up immediately? The, the, the scientific answer, like if I'm just looking at what research shows and what 
I would want the individual to do, I'm going to say bump up quickly. There's no point in reverse dieting slowly. If you're in such a shitty place that your biofeedback is horrible, your stress is through the roof, you're not recovering, you lost your period. I mean, if there's any sign that a female's in an unhealthy place, there it is. There it is. Yeah. You know, your body's saying, you are not ready to reproduce right now. I'm going to take this away. Like, that's not a good sign. It's the same thing with men. If you're dieting so hard or you're stressed out so hard that testosterone drops through the floor, like, that's a bad sign. And I can speak on that because that happened to me and it's happened to a lot of guys I've worked with, um, even just from sleep and bad lifestyle choices. But that's a red flag. That's a sign. This is why it's important to get your blood work every once in a while. Even if you're like not going to do anything except be aware, go get your blood work done every six months and see like, holy shit, my vitamin D levels are super low, right? Or my testosterone or my thyroid or my cortisol is too high or anything, cholesterol. I mean, all of those things are signs that like, hey, you're probably not super healthy right now. Let's, let's fix this. So by reversing slowly, I may avoid weight gain, but at the same time, I'm just not, I'm not re recovering the issue, right? If I bump up immediately, what's going to happen is I will gain body fat, but body fat is what's going to fix the health issues. Like if you're that lean and you're having reds, it's usually the case. You're usually super lean when you have reds you need some body fat because that's what's going to help reproduce estrogen, progesterone, um, testosterone, uh, fix help all the, the menstrual issues and the extra calories are going to help with the thyroid, the cortisol. So you kind of need that. Um, the problem with a lot of people that reverse super slowly is because if you do have a pretty adaptive metabolism, you could reverse diet out of that and stay pretty lean and get your calories up pretty high and you won't see a improvement mm. because you stayed too lean. You went too slow. So, the answer is you need to bump up quickly. Um, at least like if, if I know, like if you're at 1200 calories and I know you should be at 2000, which is a huge gap, I'm going to at least go, all right, we're going right to 1450. Like let's meet in the middle and then we'll slowly go up from there. Gotcha. Um, because then we can put on a little bit of fat, but it's acceptable to you. We start improving biofeedback and we give the metabolism a kickstart and then we can inch up to try to avoid too much fat gain. Um, however, the thing is, too, is a lot of times what people see, and this isn't always the case. Some people do adapt really well to this, but usually if you're in a bad place from a diet, it doesn't matter if I go, all right, I'm going to go from this point to this point from 1,200 to 2,000 calories over six months or six weeks. Usually you put on the same amount of fat. It's just do we get there in six weeks or do we get there in six months? Mm, yeah. Most of the time it's easier for people to mentally deal with in six months because they don't notice it in the short term as much. But at the same time, if you wait six months, you also exaggerate the problem and now it becomes harder to lose that. Whereas if I just bumped it up to six, it's like, fuck, this sucks, but I get it over with, and now I can get back into losing body fat sooner. So you kind of have to weigh out your options. Um, the hardest part about bumping up quickly is people are very resistant to it. Yeah. They don't want to gain body fat, and I get it. Um, but I've had conversations with women either uh, as well of like, hey, when was the last time you went clothes shopping? They're like, oh, it's been forever. I'm like, okay, go buy clothes that are more loose and comfy because – one of the reasons that women especially have issues with reverse dieting is they try to keep their same clothes. They put on a little bit of weight, which is healthy weight. Nobody would even notice. You look fine, but your pants fit a little bit tighter, and now they have an issue. Yeah. Right? Dude, I have, I have pants and shorts that I can wear now that I haven't worn over a year because when I was going through my lean gain phase, there was just no way. Totally. My ass was popping those buttons off. Like, yeah. But I was just like, oh, fuck. That's part of it, you know, like this is very uncomfortable, but I'm going to wear some baggy short, sweatshorts or whatever. My joggers were becoming leggings, and I mean, you probably saw that. And it was just like, all right, well, it is what it is, and now I can wear some of them again, and it's cool. But like, what did I do? Bought ba baggier sweatpants. 
dealt with it. Totally. You know, so, um, but point is, is, is if we're talking about health, like go fast, that's yeah. the answer. It's not easy, but you got to do it. And when you do your cut, you get, you have new clothes. Um, they fit again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and really big clothes. Yeah. Have you ever tried to find the lab results or the qualifications behind the supplements you're taking? Probably not. In fact, it's pretty hard to find because the supplement industry can be a shady place. And it's really hard to do background checks to find out where the, the, the products and the ingredients are sourced and see if there's any lab tests publicly available online. But the cool thing about Legion is they give you all the information you can possibly need and provide you with content around education for training and nutrition outside of the supplement industry. So they'll teach you how to improve your body without their product, but they'll give you a product that supplements that to help benefit you and get better results along the way. Not to mention they're on Labdoor, so you can see their rankings as one of the top supplement companies for purity and quality that is on the market. I cannot recommend them enough, and I've been recommending them to clients, members, uh, my friends, my family, everybody for years. I've been using them for years. And now to have them as a podcast sponsor is pretty damn cool. So if you enter your promo code BOOMBOOM, you'll save 20% on your first order and start collecting points. You can also head over to buylegion.com slash BOOMBOOM. Now, without any further ado, let's get back to the podcast. All right, so it's uh, good. Next question is going to come from... Uh, K clay four, how does grip width and angle impact Activision and hypertrophy on curls? Um, well, it, I mean, it, it depends. I'm not going to get into like the biomechanics cause I would just butcher it. Cause that's not like, I'm not, I'm not the biomechanics scientist dude. Like that's not my thing. Um, but I know enough to point out the obvious, you know, like even like you guys, if you're listening, you can't see this, but when I hold my arm out here, Travis, you can see this. If I rotate my hand, you see the head of my bicep change, yeah. right? Especially if I'm in a flex position, you see it. So if I have my palms up, short head. If I have my palm neutral, long head, plain and simple. If I cross, I'm going to hit the, the brachialis, which is just outside my elbow going up into my bicep. So you have different heads of the muscle. Um, so when I change my grip, I'm changing the focus point of the tension. So I can have more global hypertrophy, so more well-rounded hypertrophy, if I'm not just doing supinated grip, uh, I said pronated earlier, supinated grip um, curls all the time, but rather I have one day where I do supinated, I have one day where I do neutral, and then maybe I have one day where I'd go reverse curls in a pronated grip, which is going to get, again, get that brachialis, a lot of form as well. Then I go neutral, I'm going to get more of the long head, supinated palms up, I'm going to get more of the short head, right? Also, the joint of the shoulder depends on this too. And they did a study, Chris Barricat, one of my good friends ran the study. It was a really good study. They actually did a really good volume study as well, which I, I encourage people to look at because it, it takes into consideration the volume people were doing beforehand. So instead of saying 40 sets per week is the magical number or like infinite amount of sets added on is good for volume being better for hypertrophy, rather it's showing a 10% increase is better, a 15% increase is better or worse or whatever, because they took what you were doing and then what they had you do um, which gives people more practical advice because like, hey, instead of you just going, oh, I'm, I need to hit 20 sets a week. No, you need to increase volume by 5% to start seeing a noticeable gain. That could be something, that could be 25, but it could yeah. be 15 to you. Uh, but point being is you change, you change the grip, it's going to change the head of the bicep where you're hitting. Um, if you change the angle of the joint being your shoulder, that's going to uh, change uh, the resistant curve and the tension curve as well. So um, the way I look at it is my grip is going to determine the peak 
tension point. So again, short head, long head, brachialis, um, supinated, neutral, pronated. Um, and then also if we look at the, the shoulder joint, if I go into extension, so my shoulders pulled back, like if I'm on an incline bench and I let my shoulders go into full extension, especially in a neutral grip position or even pronated. So you actually rotate your palms, um, towards the floor, past neutral into almost a pronated behind your shoulders, behind your midline. I'm putting the bicep in the, the most stretched position you can possibly go into. So now, instead of saying, oh, the grip's going to determine peak tension at the contraction, I'm saying, how do I maximize tension at the, the deepest stretch? Because the whole cycle of the movement, the stretch shortening cycle, right, going through a full stretch, full shortening, contraction, repeating, that's how you build muscle. That's like the step-by-step process of a rep. Um, so doing that's going to encourage full stretch. If I go neutral, I'm going to place tension on a certain part. And then if I go flexion, so shoulders in front of me, like a spider curl, uh, or even like holding my arms up on a cable and doing like a curl to my forehead, either way, shoulders in front of me, elbows in front of me, that's going to place tension in a different area too. So changing your grip and changing the angle of your, your shoulder joint every week throughout the week is is a good idea. So if you could do four different curl exercises per week, three to four sets each, that's a good amount of volume on your arms. You could do like an incline hammer curl. You could do a, uh, uh, and a spider curl with an easy bar or dumbbells, palms up, so pro- supinated. So that would be supinated and shoulder flexion. Then you could do a standing curl, neutral grip, or uh, I would even go pronated grip, so like a cross-body hammer curl or reverse curl with a neutral shoulder position. And then you can add one more of any of those. So you can do three to four different exercises. You're going to hit each grip. You're going to hit each shoulder angle, and you're going to be hitting the bicep from every area, every yeah. angle. Yeah. Good. Any other variations no i think that's i mean there's a ton of variations but i mean those are the those are the the main points and then you can just change up the variation based on what you feel like doing as long as it hits those that criteria um okay so the next person says rachel wheeler says how to start a deficit is it only by percentage or just a single drop of 300 to 500 calories percentage usually works best so like but here's the thing is if you drop a percentage, you are dropping a certain amount, right? So if you go, if you're at 2,000 calories and you create a 25% deficit, it's the same thing as saying a 500 calorie deficit, right? It's just that if you're at 1,800 calories, a 25% deficit is going to be a different number and it might be just as effective as the other for the other person. And it's easier from a programming perspective, you use percentages. So the initial deficit might be anywhere between 15 to 25%. So a bigger jump. I just put somebody into to a deficit today, like as I was responding to their check-in and we started with a 15%. So it's a big jump. I'm not going to do another 15% drop next time, but I'll probably do a 5%, mm. very small, right? So it's it, this time it was a 400 calorie deficit. It was a big number drop. So we're going from 2,700 calories. Um, but I'm not going to drop that many calories every single time. Next time it's going to be 5%. And the reason I do that is because if we go 5% from the start, unless I know the person's body really well, if we take a very, very small deficit, sometimes nothing happens. And we take another 5%, nothing happens, another 5%, something finally happens. And it's like, okay, well, we just wasted three to six weeks if we're adjusting every one to two weeks, which usually you wait two weeks before adjusting again, which means we waited six weeks in a small deficit, which is mentally taxing, but we didn't get any ROI from it. No return of investment, no fat loss. Rather, if I just go, hey, I'm just going to make an aggressive jump right at the gate, 15%, boom, we start making progress week one. 
And then when you plateau at week six, instead of adjusting to finally see results, I'm just adjusting to keep results going. And that's where I adjust 5%. But numbers like that just work better. I mean, if you're, if you go off like the one pound of fat is 3,500 calorie method, which most people do is like, Oh, like that's a very simplistic and beginner approach. Drop 500 calories. It's 3,500 calories a week. It's one pound of fat. It's a good rate of loss, which is true. However, if you stop losing, you can drop 500 more calories. You're going to be eating next to nothing in no time. Every, every single time. Yeah. yeah. It's like, uh, no, let's do a percentage. So I typically go off percentage, a percentage of total calories. And I take those calories from carbs or fats or a combination of both. It's not completely accurate to say every single time it's percentage. Um, so you don't just, you don't do a number of calories. Well, that's the thing is I do a percentage, but it is. Cal- so like, I know that it, when I'm adjusting somebody's diet, it's going to be somewhere between three to 10%. And it depends how far they're in and how responsive their body is. Three is the lowest because if you do anything less than 3% adjustment, nothing's going to happen. So you're always getting that number from their calories. A percentage. Exactly. But if it, it's, this is why I don't think it's, it's technically, it's like the chicken before the egg. You know, like I could go, okay, we're going to drop 25 calories because I feel like that's the best move to go. Yes. That's a percentage of their calories. Totally. Or I can say, I'm going to adjust 5%. And that ends up being 25 dollars. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? So I start with percentage usually. Um, there, there is times where I intuitively just know, you know, and then like same thing with the reverse diet. Like I just know like, okay, every, for a reverse diet, I know every one to three weeks I'm bumping up 15 grams of carbs from this point on. We make an initial jump and then I'm going slow. I'm doing 15 grams of carbs until we get to your point. That's not a specific percentage. It's just, I know this person. I took them through a full cut. I know how their body responds. I'm going 15 grams. Could be 25, could be 20, could be 10. It depends on the person. On a cut, I'm more likely to do percentages. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it usually starts with a bigger percentage and then it goes smaller as we go. Totally. But but it's always a percentage of their calories. Yeah. And it always depends too. Because there's always that intuitiveness in it as a coach where you just know, like, I don't calculate it. I just look. I'm like, we're dropping this many carbs. Because I know where you're at. I know this is going to make an effect. I don't give a shit if it's 3 or 4 or 5 or 6%. This is what we're dropping. Gotcha. You know, so it's hard to say. All right, cool. Um, if you're trying to run your own diet, stick with percentages. Yeah. I have no idea. JT Van Aria says, is there a calculator you suggest to calculate macros or maintain calories? Maybe not suggest, but would say is most accurate uh i mean there's a, there's a few good ones harris benedict revised uh mifflin saint Gior. those are probably the two best i mean there's there's a handful though um i just don't like i think no matter what though all those calculators are just a starting point um if you don't know enough about macros like those just give you your calories if you don't know enough about macros you got to spend some time learning because setting the macros within those calories is can be found in some calculations, but it's not individual. So you almost have to set your calories and then watch your body, watch your cravings, watch your performance, consider what you respond best to and make adjustments, you know? So if you're doing it for yourself and you've never done it before, it it really is like, I'm going to set this number and it's like a North star. And I'm going to just, I'm not going to try to make a ton of progress over the next couple months. I'm just going to track biofeedback, listen to my body And by the end of four to eight weeks, you're going to know like, okay, here's where I'm at. And like, let's go forward with it. Um, Versus with me, because I've been doing it so long, I've seen what works best with certain people. And then, you know, as individual as we are, every time I get a new client, 
at this point, it's very rare for me to get a new client and go, wow, I've never seen somebody like this before. It's always like, oh, this is just like Steve or Rebecca or somebody I've worked with who was in a similar place, had a similar lifestyle, had similar history of dieting, you know, similar results. And it means I have experience where I can make a faster decision. I don't have to say, hey, we're going to listen to your body for eight weeks and see what happens. It's usually like, I'm pretty damn sure I know where we're going, but we're going to like see how this works for the next couple weeks and kind of, and this is the priming phase, right? Give me two to four weeks to like dial you in, get you consistent. And as soon as we are locked in and we can see what your body's doing, we're going to make adjustments and it's going to work better because you did this right. But I usually know more on the front end than the average person because I've been doing it so long. But yeah. calculators just don't work. Totally. Calculators never give them me that. Calculators give me a starting caloric BMR and maintenance. There you go. As like a again a north star. But if you if I calculate you should be at twenty five hundred calories maintaining and you send me your food logs and you're truly eating fifteen hundred calories, that calculator goes out the window. A, again, it's a north star. I know. Well, you should be here. You're right here, and you want to lose weight. This isn't going to work. So. I need to reverse diet and try to bridge this gap for a while. And then once we do that and you feel better, then we can try to cut. Um, Calculator can't do that. Neither can algorithm. And that's why I always say like apps and algorithms and shit like that are really cool. Um, I just don't think they're going to, they're not the answer for most people because, you know, and I, and I know some people that are coming out with a pretty cool app that does that, you know, and it's just like, it's dope. And for their market, it's, it makes sense. You know, but if I went to the app and I was like, okay, adherence isn't an issue. I basically live in the fucking gym, which I do, and I'm healthy. You're saying in, uh, adherence is not an issue? Not an issue. Okay. I'll hit my macros. I'll eat whatever I got to eat, whatever. Um, like, no issues with adherence, no issues with health. I haven't dieted in a long time. Give me an algorithm app. I probably will lose weight if I actually stick to it. I'll, it sucks I don't have anybody to talk to because yeah. it's just an app telling me what to do. But at the same time, like... I'm a rare case that would work well with those. Yeah. Most people need explanation. Most people need empathy and communication and understanding. And most apps can't determine lifestyle factors, right? Or Unless if you're you, have bad behaviors and you're not adhering, the app's not going to call you out. It's yeah. just going to keep dropping your calories because you're not losing weight. It's not going to fix the issue. So it's for a select population. I think same thing with calculations. Yeah. They're there for a reason, but mm. totally. All right, cool. Let's go to the next one. Comes from Anthony Scanish. Any tips for better sleep quality and quantity? Asking the wrong guy. Um, cool room. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a good example. We have we have AC, so we'll crank it up. But like, we had to like shut off some of the vents upstairs because. The upstairs gets super fucking cold. Yeah. And then the downstairs is hot. So we like shifted it because Blakely's room would be too hot or too cold when she was really young. Now it's less of an issue. It's three and a half. But now we have to get them back out here because now it's fucking summer and it's cold as hell in the middle floor and we're burning upstairs in our bedroom. So last couple of nights, I have a fan. I, I, I'm a hot sleeper compared to Shannon. So she, she doesn't need the fan or anything. I have a fan like literally three feet away from me, just pointing at my face, <laughs> just blowing wind. Oh my God. That's a good way to get sleep. Yeah. The human body sleeps best between, I think it's like 61 to 69 degrees. So it's got to be pretty cold actually. Yeah. So you should be in a colder setting yeah. bundled up. Um, so get a fan. If you don't have AC, if you have AC, crank it up to 
68 or less during sleep yeah, and bundle 64. up. Yeah, and that's, I mean, you need that, dude. Yeah. That's how you sleep well. Um, yes, shutting off electronics and all those things does help uh, quite a bit. It's really easier said than done. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I'm not willing to sacrifice. I want to lay in bed and watch Netflix. Like, I would just lay there and just wait, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I can fall asleep easy, but I want to watch Netflix. So I don't, I don't personally do that. But if you, if you can read before bed, like that would be better, you know, with like a, a dimmed light. Um, you know, what they do say is like, if you, and this is where you go way beyond turn off electronics, set your lamp on the floor, light it because melatonin production can actually like, so like, if you think about the sun on the horizon, it rises over the horizon. Once it's above eye level, now your melatonin is going to have a harder time producing cortisol is going to be more likely because it's time to wake up. Yeah. It's the sun's up. Where are all of our lights in the house? Yeah. Up on the ceiling. Yeah. So I don't know many people who are going to go out of their way to set a lamp on the floor, like take their lamp off the nightstand. But if you really need to work and sleep, put your lamp on the nightstand, turn it on and read instead of watching TV. You know, and same thing with TVs. My TV is propped up on the wall. So I'm looking up at it from bed. Again, not ideal. Not ideal, but. Um, but that could help. Uh, I mean, yeah, it's hard. To, I mean, those are the those are the biggest things. I think like sleep quality comes down to a cool down method, like a wind down method, having the lights in the right place, trying to remove electronics right before bed, um, cool room. And honestly, like this sounds kind of weird, but tire yourself out. Like I, this isn't like a <laughs> like a like a cell uh, like a scientific answer, but like if I'm like wide awake at night. I did one of two things. Either A, I didn't do much today, or B, I had caffeine too late. Easy fix, stop drinking caffeine too late. So I try to stop. That's why I have the stim-free pre-workout. I don't have caffeine after like 2, 2.30. That's right for me. Um, and then I work my ass off to be tired. Like I want to be exhausted when I get home or like at the end of night. And that means I got to work hard, I got to train hard, and then I got to play hard with Blakely. And then I'm usually fucking gassed. But... There's some days like on a, on a, like a lazy Sunday or something where just kind of chilling stuff. I won't be exhausted in the day. And that's why it's like, I need to, I need to do work. So push yourself, yeah. work harder, tire yourself out. I mean, sounds funny and kind of like bro-ish or it's hardcore, but it's really true. It's true. Yeah. You know? Um, and that might be like, and this isn't like a shout out to people who work jobs they hate or telling you to quit your job. But like, if you don't love your job and you're just getting through it, you're probably not putting a lot of effort and energy and enthusiasm to it. And you're not tired because of that. You're just annoyed yeah, um, and aggravated. So one of two things, either A, start trying to find your passion job, do something different, or fucking put everything you can into that job so that it becomes exciting and fun. Like that, that book I got, everybody, The Energy Bus, it talks about that. This dude didn't fucking, he worked for a light bulb company. He didn't love his job, but he was an angry, grumpy asshole at the beginning of the book. And he starts working on positive energy, which sounds very woo-woo. But by the end of it, he's crushing his job. He's loving it because he's connecting with people. And it didn't matter what he was creating. All that mattered is that he was creating, yeah. right? And he was doing it with people and connecting and having fun. Like, you do that, you're going to be tired every night because you're putting everything you can into life every totally. day. Totally. You know? Yeah. YOLO. Yeah, it's good. I mean. It's true, man. Yeah. I wish YOLO wasn't a cheesy thing to say because Drake made a song about it. But it's so fucking true, man. Yeah. Like. I, I don't remember. I read it somewhere in a book where it was like, why not put everything into one thing you have? Why not? Yeah. Like you literally have one life to live. Why would you not just go so hard to make every day amazing? Yeah. I think like, YOLO is like jumping off a 800 foot cliff, but 
the cheesy saying. Yeah. YOLO. Yeah. You know? Yeah, 100%. But if you put it into better context, it's and so true. <laughs> which is ironic because I think of it like I'm not jumping off that cliff and bungee jump or anything. I have one life. Because of YOLO. Yeah. <laughs> Rather, like, okay, <laughs> wake up and, and create change. Do something positive. Like, dude, like, this is a great example. I was on the phone with Rose this morning uh, just on our biweekly coaching call, and I'm like, explaining something to her and I just starts cracking up. She's like, what? And I was like, all right, let me tell you this story real quick because I passed this guy. Every morning, and this is a great example of, of just making the most out of your day and just being fucking happy. Every single morning, you know the big hill outside by my house like when you come out of the neighborhood? The Holly Hill? Yeah, you go yeah. down that big ass hill. Every day I'm driving down the hill at the same time and it's either at the top or the bottom. I always pass the same guy, right? And this dude looks like ZZ Top huge white beard he's walking his little dog he's always wearing some like floral shorts just like he's just like a 70 year old bro like and he's always walking his dog and I watch him car after car waving waving he's just walking his dog waving and I know for a fact nobody fucking takes the time to wave back at him because every time I pass him I lean over my dashboard and I give him the peace (laughs) sign like he does me dude he gets so hype he starts running Wow. Every day he's walking until he sees me and I do that. He gives it back to me and starts running. And That's today great. was the first day it clicked where I was like, I really paid attention to him doing it. Uh-huh. And I was like, these motherfuckers aren't giving him two seconds to wave back. Yeah. All this dude is doing is just trying to say what's up to everybody. He walks his dog every morning. And it took me half a second to lean forward and smile. Yeah. And it actually starts my day on a positive note because I watch him fucking start laughing wave and just starts running with his dog and then his dog takes off yeah and i'm like that's the coolest fucking thing that guy's just trying to like brighten somebody's day and think of like trying to do that over and over again or like imagine if you were working at a store and your job was to greet people coming in and person after person after person ignores you yeah and then finally somebody's like what up dude thank you man i love being greeted you'd be like holy shit that was fucking cool there's one person out there there's one nice fucking human being which (laughs) Common courtesy is not so common anymore. Yeah. But like, all I did was give that guy a peace sign. Yeah. And it lit me up because he starts sprinting every day. And every day I get so stoked. But it lit it. Like, it's those little things. Dude, uh, uh, yesterday, so that was this morning. Yesterday, um, I uh, hadn't, I'm not the best texter, text responder. So I was responding to some like Father's Day text a day late. And one was from my grandma. And I already talked to her, but she sent me another thing about, some, some kind of memory she had of, of me as a kid. And uh, she retired because my dad and mom had me or something like that. And, uh, and I just thought to share something with her real quick. And I, was, uh, tell, I told her there's this book called Mere Christianity and it talks about um, holy people. And it really just describes, like Andreas is a good example of this. It describes somebody who has a lot of wisdom for no reason besides caring, just cares about everybody, is constantly trying to give. You look at them and you're like, and it literally says this word for word, do they have 36 hours in a day? And I look at Andreas all the time. I'm like, bro, how are you doing all this mm-hmm. shit? Like, it's crazy. But like, they give off that energy, right? So I shared that with my grandma and said that I, I, I immediately thought of two people. One was Andreas and one was you. And I just was just like, you're caring, you're loving, you're generous, your energy is contagious. Like, I just like, it was just like, you're, 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 love you, grandma. Like, it literally took me a minute. She st- calls me and starts crying. She's like, it's the best compliment I've ever had. And I've never, I like, this is going to be the best memory of you. I've ever, like, she was like over the top. Yeah. And she, you know, she takes care of my grandpa. My grandpa has Alzheimer's. So he's there sometimes, sometimes not. I know nobody's doing that. Yeah. So like, but it took me two fucking seconds and it just changed everything for her. And that was like me. 
I could have easily been like, thanks, Graham. I love you too. Because she just sent me text. Normally, that's what I would do. But I was like, you know what? I'm going to take a little bit more enthusiasm into this. And it took me 30 seconds longer. Yeah. If you, if, if everybody listening to this did that every day, not text your grandma a list of things that she does, but put 5% more enthusiasm into every little single thing you do. I can go like this to that dude. I can just nod at him or I can lean over my dashboard and throw him the deuces, which doesn't take more time. And it's those little things like compound effect, you know, and it just adds up and your energy changes. Fuck, you'll be tired of shit by the end of the day. (laughs) If you're given 5% more enthusiasm in everything you do. Um, But I truly believe like that's the kind of stuff that you end up meeting people or people end up talking about you or telling others about you because you made them feel a certain way. Yeah. And like when you do that, all of a sudden your network expands, your opportunities expand, everything expands and changes because you're just doing that little thing. Shit in the business world, coming from a company that's organically grown, doesn't really do any ads or anything like that. It's from that 5% effort I put into every little DM, every little comment, every little conversation, every little phone call. And without of expecting ROI, those things add up a ton. Totally. So, and you start seeing it more and more and more. Yeah. It makes you feel fucking better too. Yeah. But side note on sleeping better, it's, I mean, I think everybody could just use just 1 to 5% more totally. enthusiasm in everything you do. Yep. Simple. All right, that's the last question for the day. So, we will uh, any announcements? No, but that was a good note to end on. Yeah. I didn't know it was the last question, so that's perfect. Um no, no announcements. Actually, you know what? Yeah. Um, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll announce this on the next podcast too, so I got to know when this airs. But we haven't done a competition in a while for ratings and reviews. So um, we got a box of really dope journals, and I'd love to give a few of them away. Tailored Life. Tailored Life journals. So um, the prompts are in there. So if you've ever been confused on what do I journal, because a lot of people buy blank journals, and they're like, what the fuck do I do with this? Yeah write my thoughts, what? And usually if you've never journaled, it's very hard to just write your thoughts, quote unquote. So it has the prompts written for you and there's a blank page on every on every other page as well. So you have room for free writing. Uh, but we want to give a couple of those away. Uh, we'll give three away. I'm going to send them out to you. Um, all you got to do is leave us a five-star rating review. Um, what we need from you is leave us a five-star rating and review and we'll look in the next week because they usually take a little bit of time. So two weeks. Yeah. We'll do two weeks because we're going to do this again. We'll, we'll say this on the beginning of the next podcast. This since won't, this is then. This won't air for two weeks. Okay. So that's fine. Yeah. So we'll, uh, once this airs, you got two weeks from this point, basically. <laughs> there you go. Which this is next Friday's podcast Correct. as we're recording this. So, um, and that is. There you go. The 28th. Damn. Did you really get that? No. The second. Okay. Uh, 28th is Monday. Oh. This will air next Friday. So. As you're listening to this, it is the second, or it's shortly after the second. You have two weeks from the second, which means that on the 16th, we will be the 16th or the 19th. You got to listen to both episodes because it's going to be on one of those. Um, okay. We're going to announce the winner, uh, and you're going to get a journal, handwritten card, a sticker from me uh, in the mail. All you got to do is leave us a five star rating review, and uh, we're going to pick some winners. So go on there, leave us the review. We'll announce the winners. You can email us your address, and then we'll ship it out to you. Um, and yeah, and if, and if you really want to help us out, like I said, go go download all the platforms and, and subscribe to the podcast. Fucking Amazon Podcast, Stitcher, whatever you got to do. <laughs> subscribe on all of them so, so you can help us increase our downloads because that's how we get shown up more um, on the charts, on all the platforms, and that's how we can help more people, and that's all this is about. So do us a favor, uh, do that. We'll do you a favor, and we'll send you a dope journal, which turned out really, really sick. So 
That's the competition. We'll check in two weeks. Thank you guys for listening. We appreciate you. Thank you.